It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at MIDI Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome to the Chicago Psychology Podcast. Hi, everybody. Kyle and Scott here. Since the advent of the COVID-19 virus, the landscape of behavioral health has changed significantly. For consumers, this includes an increase in mental health issues such as anxiety and depression, relational strain, higher incidences of drug and alcohol use. For behavioral health specialists, this includes increased use of or sole use of remote or teletherapy, which increases isolation for the therapist and lack of connection with colleagues and mentors, and an increase in advocacy for greater mental health access and coverage for all. With these changes in mind, we decided to reach out to Chicago area clinicians to get their take on the current events and how they see the landscape of mental health and psychotherapy developing. We set up interviews with two clinicians at a time in order to create more of a dialogue amongst peers. There are four interviews in total. We hope these conversations will provide you with a picture of the changing landscape of and what many see as the future of behavioral health. So welcome, everybody, again to the Chicago Psychology Podcast. Uh, Today, we've got Karen Rothstein-Pineda, licensed clinical professional counselor, and Aaron Carmen, licensed clinical professional counselor. And they're here to talk to us about uh, how COVID-19 is impacting the therapy practice. So uh, if you could just take a minute and introduce yourselves, Karen, why don't you start us off? Yeah, hi. Yes, um, my name is Karen Rothstein Pineda. You pronounced my name right, which is great. Yay. Yay. Um, <laughs> I run, um, I'm the CEO, founder, and I'm also a therapist at Multicultural Counseling Associates. We're a small practice in, in um, Oak Park, um, and there's five of us working there seeing clients. Um, our primary focus is on working with folks of color as well as 
the LGBTQ community, also polyamorous communities, people that are generally just outside the mainstream who are often really nervous about coming to counseling because they're afraid of being judged or whatever. And so really that's been the focus of what we do. Um, I started the practice um, officially three years ago. Um, I've been working as a therapist um, and since 2003, and I've been doing work in social services for over 20 years. I started out in domestic violence and sexual assault work in the late 90s. So I've been doing this for a while. Okay, great. Thank you. How about you, Aaron? Um, I'm a clinical manager at a practice called Urban Balance. Urban Balance has several locations around Chicago and in the suburbs of Evanston and Northbrook and Hinsdale and Annan. Um, we also have offices in in Denver, in Kentucky, uh, in Frisco, Texas, and uh, in St. Louis, Missouri as well. Um, and so I've been licensed since 03. I've worked in every level of care from inpatient to community mental health to executive coaching to doing um, residential treatment. And you know, right now we're doing uh, work at Urban Balance. Our mission at Urban Balance is to be insurance friendly, to make uh, – mental health care accessible to all populations so we have sliding scale ser- therapists we work with all insurance and you know my focus is really a lot of anger management working with couples um i do a lot of like anxiety depression work but you know working with couples who are high conflict and you know have some background working with gottman techniques as well and okay. you know i had a book published a few years ago on anger management so you know that's been a resource i've been trying to promote as well um, okay. I find, you know, most people aren't taught how to deal with anger. And so I find there's a great need for that. Yeah. Okay, great. What's the name of the book? Uh, the Anger Management Workbook. Okay, great. I think I actually have a copy of it at home. Hey, plug yeah. away. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so uh, so tell me, uh, how is how is COVID-19 impacting your work as a therapist right now? Do you want to start us off, Aaron? So. Yeah. So initially, you know, there was this big uh, shutdown and everyone was trying to figure out, you know, what to have, what was going to happen next. And fortunately, you know, um, Urban Balance, we had already done our teletherapy training and certifications. So we, we had procedures and policies. It was relatively seamless for our team of clinicians to, you know, get on board and doing the teletherapy. Myself, I did phone counseling for many years uh, with mm-hmm. contractors who were overseas. And so it was something that was pretty much in my wheelhouse. But, you know, looking at people and doing it online and, you know, working with uh, some gaps in, you know, technology, it's always uh, some hiccups along the way. You know, I found a lot of people were dealing with this loss of control, loss of finances, loss of God bless health. And so, you know, there was a lot of grief and just, you know, the kind of the shock and the sadness and the anger that comes, you know, with all of the the stages of grief. You know, with that, in, in addition, people were, you know, trying to just wrap their head around what this means and how people could plan. And, you know, just their lives were so much shrunk down to the moment to moment rather than three months, six months, a year down the road. Um, so, you know, there's just a lot of uncertainty and that breeds this insecurity and anxiety. So I found like the transition to online was great to be able to offer that support. But again, it was really challenging because people were so overwhelmed. All the work we were doing previously got put on the back burner mm-hmm. because we had to deal with this collective reality. I mean, very similar to 9-11 in that way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I, yeah. I think it has been uh, kind of a, it has switched 
uh, as many times things in life will come along in a therapy, in therapy, therapy process, it's not always a smooth, straightforward, let's work on this. Oftentimes, other things can jump the gun for what you're working on. And I think that, yes, you're right. And, um, yeah, exactly. Okay. Thank you. Um, so, Karen, how about you? How is it impacting your work? Well, okay, so we switched to telehealth. It took us about a week to, we had to just switch everything over. Um, what's ironic, or I don't even know if ironic or just funny or coincidental is, a month before all of this happened, in mid-February actually, we had a, um, a staff retreat and we were talking about things that we want to eventually do. One of them was teletherapy. And we thought, okay, we'll just table it because it's not urgent right now. We need to work on other things. And then about two weeks later, I realized we might have to do this faster. <laughs> and so I started researching it and we started just checking benefits and just kind of thinking, yeah, it'll, it'll, we might have to, but it'll be a week. We'll be fine. And then one day, it was probably around March. 10th when I realized this is going to be a reality. And so it was this huge rush to mm. everybody over. Um, and it was, I would say my staff was amazing. We all were able to get set up within a week. We all had, you know, like little training, like fake um, sessions online with each other to learn how to use every, all the technology. Unfortunately, all we all had, we all had just a one hour training on our um, practice management platform, and we went. Um, okay. Since then, we've been all kind of just ongoing learning about how to do this, and it's been working out okay. Um, obviously, tech issues and everything, but it's been working. Yeah. Um, clinically, a lot. What we're finding is, we're there's a lot of parallel process that's going on with clients and ourselves. Often, for myself, even I'll find out something or I'll be impacted by something. And the next day my client is saying, Oh my gosh, did you hear about this? And it's a lot of, you know, usually if, especially with trauma, you have to be a little bit separate from them. And so right now it's this collective trauma that we're all dealing with. Mm -hmm. And so that's been something that I think has been, We've had to, all of us have had to do more meeting and more clinical supervision with, with our, within ourselves to process our own emotions because we're, you know, oftentimes I'll be on the CDC website with a client trying to get information or mm -hmm. telling a client, yeah, you know what, that bothers me too. I'm scared of that too. And it's been a very, it's been similar to how I work generally because I tend to have much more of a of a transparent way of working with folks. However, it's been a little bit higher more now because oftentimes I'm scared too, or I don't know about how to answer something. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I think that I think that it is a really difficult time for everybody. And you're right, uh, Karen. I think that the the parallel process is what I've been experiencing and sharing a lot more than I might. I share quite a bit in sessions with people, but um, in a professional way. But I've been more so feeling like, and I'll tell patients to a certain degree that what they're going through is what I'm going through, but then I'm getting it six to eight times a day. 
<laughs> talking like, oh boy, oh boy. Um, yeah. So self care has been uh, higher on my uh, my list of things to do when I get get in and out of the office because I'm still seeing patients from my office on the computer. Uh, I have the opportunity to do that. Um, so maybe we can move on to another question here. How do you think that the COVID pandemic will permanently impact mental health services? Maybe Rachel, you can, or Karen, you can uh, kind of uh, take that well, one first. First of all, I think telehealth is here to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, I think before there was a lot of research saying it worked, and I think a lot of people were very hesitant to use it for a variety of reasons. Right. And now I think people are getting used to it. People like it. I know I, I'm working in my house, and my commute is a 10-step walk, and I love it. <laughs> also, I, I'm finding, too, that clients really like it. And I'm actually seeing a little bit more of an intimacy level, having a heightened and more intimacy with clients because you're seeing their homes, you're seeing what's going on, and you're seeing them in their natural environment. I do think, though, there's a huge, 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 um, the next pandemic actually is mental health. Um, I'm worried, I'm thinking about how much agoraphobia is going to be happening, how anxiety is going to be increasing, and the the PTSD, that's going the post-traumatic stress disorder that's going to happen a year from now, two years from now. But also, I think I was even, when I was thinking about this, even generationally, because, you know, trauma gets passed down. And I think that this is a collective experience that is going to impact people for a long time around their anxiety and their general anxiety. Yeah. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah. It, I've, I've actually found that, uh, that uh, the, the people who I work with who have OCD are struggling. Um, they're... You know, a lot of the people who I work with who have trauma, their symptoms, or they actually feel like they're managing things well, um, but OCD has been triggered at a higher level. So I appreciate you bringing up that point, and I think it might be something that does, you know, we may see more instances of that coming into our, our offices, right? How about you, Aaron? Yeah, I mean, I agree a lot. Of, you know, to piggyback on what Karen's saying, I mean, I think you know the 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 access to treatment has been great. You know that this is something that you know people can just 
my commute's great, but also for clients. They don't have to take time off of work and you know, they're working from home. And so it's just so much easier for people to access mental health care. And I don't think you put the toothpaste back in the tube. I don't think that's going to un... Yeah, it's going to go back to just, you know, we're not going to have it anymore. It's always going to be a resource. I perceive going forward, I feel like, you know, ultimately the insurance is going to say, hey, we can do this. Why not? And that's always been kind of the biggest barrier. This, and it's amazing how artificial that barrier seems now because it just took a swipe of a pen for that to go away. Now suddenly everyone has access to this. So it's nice to see that. Um, you know, I think being able to be more transparent with feelings. I think some people are just more comfortable in their home. And so there is an authenticity and a transparency that's I'm getting so much more of kind of similar being just looking at their home environment. You know, so much of I think in therapy, you know, you see somebody come in with like, let's say, five bags and you're like, oh, where are you shopping or is this like a hoarding thing? And so you get data just by like seeing them interact in the waiting room or just, you know, in their appearance. And so now we're getting data from their home. And like you see why are there a bunch of boxes in there? They didn't just move in or, you know, all these other kind of bits of information that we can gather as therapists. You know, um, I think similarly, you know, you're seeing a lot of this kind of loneliness um, and even people who are, you know, with their family, they still feel this kind of, I don't want to turn to them because everyone's dealing with their own stuff. And mm. so it creates this wonderful opportunity for people to have more consistent therapy because they think before it was like the other things, oh, I'm going to go out with my friends or they really want someone to talk to now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also, you know creating a, a heightened need and also an opportunity for us to access those kinds of uh, individuals. And I think it's also just less formal in some ways because going to a doctor's office always seems a little bit more of like a procedure and, you know, this kind of, uh, there's a formality to it where you're in your home, you can be in your sweats and you can just hang out and have some clients laying in their bed. And, you know, if that's what makes them comfortable, it can just, you know, how do we enhance that and creates that, uh, that openness, you know, and I think, there's a lot of opportunity for this uh, self-care to come out. And, you know, if that's them doing therapy from their home as a form of self-care, that's great. I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. That's the, And I, what I'm hearing from both of you is that you're actually seeing a lot of positive changes and opportunities moving forward in the, in the mental health field uh, for clinicians and clients using this telehealth service. Right. Uh, so I'm wondering, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that that is some of what uh, what gives you some hope moving forward. Uh, is there what else? What what's giving you hope and and helping you kind of uh, work through this? Oh, well, I find you know everyone's kind of had to slow down in some ways. We mm. don't have to you know go out and all these other tasks. And so, what people what when we're fragile, we know what's important. And so there's this collective sense of fragility that everyone's enduring. And I think it helps to clarify what we, re- what we really value. And, you know, not just, you know, that, that feeling of gratitude that comes from loss. That when we have mm-hmm. loss, we are grateful for what we have. And mm-hmm. it helps us to have this point of self-reflection. And people are stopping and sitting with themselves. And some people that's extremely triggering and exacerbates their symptomatology. But for other people, it's like they're able to kind of come back to what really matters you know, not just the, 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 the fleeting investments of life, but the bigger picture of the relationships and being connected to the, the people that matter most to them. And I think, you know, there is this very much this kind of power of now and focusing on reality where a lot of us get caught up and sometimes to our detriment of with the potential and the worry of what's going to happen rather than like right now I'm okay. Right now I have, I have a home and I have food in my home and I have my health. And so 
I feel very much grounded in that kind of mindset. And so, you know, I see that being also part of what's going to be hopeful, um, not just about what we've lost, but what we get from all of this. Okay. Okay. I, I, yeah, that's really powerful. Um, and I think you're right that people are kind of reprioritizing and, you know, really determining what matters and, and we're all forced to slow down, right? Um, uh, how about you, Karen? Same thing. Act very similar. It's seeing people look at what matters and seeing people acknowledge, yeah, I'm lucky because I have this or whatever. Um, what, one of the things that I'm seeing is, you know, seeing, you know, this really, really inspired me, seeing how therapists are coming together. If you look on Facebook, I'm mm-hmm. getting a lot of support from the various Facebook Facebook groups there are for therapists. Um, there have been so many free trainings. I know um, we've gotten so much training for free on how to do telehealth with kids, for example. People online have been just kind of giving each other tips and seeing this com- this community of therapists coming together. I think the big one was how a group of therapists banded together and we basically put a lot of pressure on one of the insurance companies to cover telehealth for the rest of 2020. Yeah. yeah. That I think, I mean, I believe that Blue Cross Blue Shield probably would have done it anyway, but at the same time, I think they were able to see how important it is and how crucial it is. And they were before they were making us wait a month and every month we were wondering and now they're saying, no, all of 2020 and probably I see that as therapists coming together and the sense of community that's building. That's the therapist of everybody. I think people are really figuring out ways to support each other right now. And I think that adding on to that, yeah, I think you're right, Karen. I think that Blue Cross Blue Shield would have done what they did anyway. um, It it's just a humane thing to do, and it was nice that they waived copays and deductibles for some time. But I think, adding on to that, I think we should be more involved in maybe not just four or five different practice owners uh, representing the entirety of, of the state, but having a petition that we can all sign on, and then four or five of us can take that, perhaps, to Blue Cross to continue to extend things, if necessary. Yeah, that is what originally happened. There was, yeah. this was actually started on Facebook again. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a group of practice owners that we all signed a letter to mm-hmm. Blue Cross Blue Shield advocating, saying all of these different things, saying why it was needed. And we, I mean, I know they sent it to all sorts of reps, all sorts of bigwigs in Blue Cross Blue Shield. And mm-hmm. They they took all of our information. I think it was about twenty practice owners, if not more. And from there, four of them represented us. I do think, though, too, that there does need to be more of that. More. Oh yeah, I think I think that the practice owners doing that is fantastic. But I think that like having a statewide um, um, petition from all sorts of people would be even more uh, powerful. Just like when you're petitioning uh, Dick Durbin or someone else who's representing you in Washington, correct? Uh, Right. Just continuing to that. I wasn't saying it was, was, you know, I wasn't saying anything against it. I think it was a fantastic move. But adding to it and organizing. 
organizing. <laughs> organizing. <laughs> yes. So I think that would be very good. Well, I think we're about out of time here. Uh, Karen and Aaron, thank you so much for uh, coming today and um, visiting with us and giving us your opinion on this very important uh, set of topics. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Okay. Yeah, I'm really grateful. It's been a good opportunity. And again, I'm a fan, so I keep up the good work. I really appreciate it. Well, well thank you. Well. Yeah, thank you for tuning in and, and listening, and, and uh, we appreciate that. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Chicago Psychology Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. And as always, if you can like or give a stellar review on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox, or wherever you may be listening to this, please do so. It helps us out quite a bit, helps us rank higher, and helps us get the word out about the podcast to other people like you. All material is copyright 2020, the Chicago Psychology Podcast. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. If you need a therapist or a mental health provider, please seek one out. And as always, the intro and outro music is by the band Serenati. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.